Can a child with scoliosis get better results from a brace, surgery, or stapling? You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a special series on children's health. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, professor of surgery at Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Dr. Randall Betts, professor of orthopedic surgery at Temple University School of Medicine and chief of staff and medical director of the Spinal Cord Injury Unit at Shriners Hospitals for Children in Philadelphia. Welcome, Dr. Betts. Thanks for the opportunity. Today we are evaluating the treatment options for scoliosis. Dr. Betts, though I'm sure many of our physicians are familiar with scoliosis, can you explain what are the treatments and when would you treat scoliosis? Generally, for the adolescent, which is the most common type that we see, idiopathic scoliosis, we treat curvatures between 20 to 40 degrees in a more conservative fashion, meaning there we're trying to prevent the patient from getting a large curve that would require instrumentation and spinal fusion. The two ways uh, that we can do that now are with a brace, and generally use an underarm brace called a TLSO, which stands for thoracic lumbar sacral orthosis. Very rarely do we use the old Milwaukee braces, which had a frame that included a neck ring. We found that the neck ring was just absolutely socially unacceptable. But what do these braces look like? They're made out of a plastic. Generally, they come preformed, and the orthotist puts pads in to put pressure on different aspects of the spine to try and get some correction of this curvature in the brace. And if you can hold some correction in the brace, then you've got a chance allowing the spine to grow and not get curved any further. Can they walk with this? Absolutely. They can walk. They can play sports. They can do just about everything. However, it is a little bit bulky. So in the spring and fall, the children are a little bit inhibited to wear it to school. So we usually recommend wearing it 16 hours a day. They don't have to wear it to school. And that makes it psychologically usually acceptable. Now it's worn underneath the clothes? That's correct. And is it heavy? It's not heavy, but it's very warm. So especially in warm climates, it is very sweaty and uncomfortable. When you decide to do the brace, how long usually does a child have to wear this? They have to wear it till they're age a girl 14 and a male 19. So we look for a maturity. So we look on their hand x-ray when their growth plate's closed, and then we can wean them out of the brace. And how successful is it? The brace, in the best studies that we have, which is really only level 2 evidence, meaning these are just, they're not randomized controlled studies, suggest the brace works about 70% of the time. However, if you ask most of us that do a lot of this, we realize that if you took the high-risk curves, it may not work at all. Because of that, there's currently an NIH study being funded looking at just observation, meaning no brace at all, versus brace treatment, because there's so much evidence that also suggests the brace doesn't work at all. But we still treat because that's maybe one of the best options there is. And when do you choose stapling? So stapling is relatively new. In fact, at the Philadelphia Shriners Hospital, we have actually initiated that. I started doing staplings in the year 2000. It's a minimally invasive technique. 
the staples are inserted on the spine across the disc, which is where the growth plates are on the outside of the curve. A thoroscope is thinking of like an arthroscope, the way they do knee surgery. So it is minimally invasive, and we've done over 100 patients and about 130 curves, and the results seem to be at least as good as a brace. The one difference, however, is when it does work, we are getting correction of the curvatures, especially in the lumbar curves, and this is not seen in the brace. All the brace, if it's going to hold, will just hold the curve. The stapling has the opportunity to correct the curve, and it doesn't burn any bridges, meaning it's not a fusion, so the discs still move and does not cause pain. It's a good option, especially for a patient that does not want to wear a brace. The actual length of the stapling process, how many centimeters? It usually can be put in with three puncture wounds, which are about the width of your finger, and then the stapling procedure itself takes about an hour and a half to two hours. And it covers what length of vertebrae? For a thoracic curve, it takes generally seven vertebrae. For a lumbar curve, takes uh, three to four vertebrae. And these will stay in forever? Correct. When we first started doing it, I told the patients that they probably would need them removed, but we've learned that since they don't cause pain and they don't dislodge, I've put in over 1,400 staples and I've had one move and that was it and none have dislodged. And so I'm telling the patients now to just leave them. If you have just joined us, you are listening to a special series on children's health on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, professor of surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and we are speaking with Dr. Randall Betts, professor of orthopedic surgery at Temple University School of Medicine and chief of staff and medical director of the Spinal Cord Injury Unit at Shriners Hospitals for Children in Philadelphia. Today we are discussing the evaluation and treatment options for scoliosis. Dr. Betts, we were just discussing the stapling technique. What makes you use that stapling technique as opposed to a brace? When I meet a family and a child where they're newly diagnosed with scoliosis, many of the curves I see, I think they can be treated equal with either a brace or stapling. However, if the girl immediately starts crying and you can tell that there's going to be significant psychosocial or even family conflict because of the brace, I I offer the stapling as an alternative because they have the stapling procedure They have restrictions of activity for a month, but after one month, they can then go on and carry on all their activities, and no one has to even know that they had a curve. And the success rate of stapling? I have good data that suggests that it's about 75% successful. For certain curve types where they're less than 30 degrees, the success rate is up above 80%. And for lumbar curves, it approaches 90%, and we get seem to get significant correction of the curves. Well, do you think you'll get to the point where you'll use a stapling technique as opposed to a brace? That's a great question, Mark. There's some new genetic tests that will be available probably within the next year, 18 months, where you can swab the saliva and send to a company, and they can give you a prediction factor as to whether you have a progressive curve. So a child will come in, maybe have this 15-degree curve, will do a swab, and the swab will say, you have a very low risk of getting past 30 degrees. So probably would there recommend either just watching or maybe a brace. But 
if it says, you know, you've got a 75% chance of having a 60 or 70 degree curve, then absolutely I would staple that child. And when do you go to surgery? You say surgery. Stapling is surgery. It's just very minimally invasive, and it's what we call fusionless surgery, meaning that the spine still maintain its movement. Most people, when they say surgery, are thinking of instrumentation and fusion, and that's where you put a rod in. Actually, we put two rods now, attach the spine with screws, straighten the spine, and then put little chips of bone graft, usually from the bone bank, into the spine, and it knits together in a straight position. And that's called a spinal fusion. Generally, we do that when the curves approach 50 degrees, Occasionally do it at a curve as low as 40 or 45 degrees if the child's young, say age 11, and the curve's been progressive despite a brace or stapling. Now, how extensive is that surgery? In the year 2007, if it's done in a location that does a lot of spine fusion, such as the Shriners Hospital, where they have good spinal cord monitoring, where you have surgeons that do this several times a week, it's actually very safe. The surgery itself takes about three to three and a half hours with very low complication rate. Now, these children then, or these adolescents, come out with a straight spine. That's correct. And so we try and restore their spine to a normal profile, not only with the lateral curvature, but also with regards to a normal kyphosis, which is looking at them from the side, and also correct their rotation, which is what really bothers them, correcting that rib prominence on their back. The great thing about it is in this day and age, the instrumentation is so good. They have restrictions for a week, but they walk out of the hospital. They can shower. They can go to school. Usually at um, about three months, let them swim. They can jog. They can dance. And then let them return to contact sports in about a year. Now, Dr. Betts, you have a child or an adolescent come in, and they've got a significant scoliosis. Why wouldn't the parents and the child say to you, uh, Dr. Betts, I understand about the brace and stapling, but let's do the surgery and I'll walk out of the hospital perfect? It's still a fusion, meaning you will lose some motion in the spine. Now, it may not be very much, but it's, again, any time you do surgery, as you know yourself with a surgeon, there occasionally can be, you know, some complications. Most of the time they're minor, but there can be a rare occasion, major complications. So you don't want to approach a fusion without respect for, you know, significant surgery. When do you decide to go from stapling to surgery? If the curve is over 45 degrees, I absolutely just... I recommend a fusion with the instrumentation. If the curve is under 45 uh, degrees and is flexible and they don't have too large of a rib prominence, then I'll recommend stapling or a brace. Now, are you using more and more of this genetic testing that you've spoken about to predict where you're going to be five years or 10 years? from? Unfortunately, the test is not commercially available yet. Till It's probably going to take about another 18 months. So I have not been able to use that clinically. We're still in a phase of collecting this data for the company, but they are holding the data close to their vest. It's not been released yet. And generally speaking, in the patients you see with moderate to severe scoliosis, what treatment do you do most frequently? So I consider moderate under 40 degrees. Then my practice is half stapling, half bracing. And finally, if you had a crystal ball, Dr. Betts, and you'd look into the future in terms of treatment for scoliosis, 
where are we going to be and what would you like to see? The prediction is that we'll have this genetic test, and if you have the gene makeup to have a progressive curve, it may be a pill as simple as melatonin. There's some basic science research that suggests that melatonin may be involved in the development of scoliosis. Now, when it's been tried in clinical trials overseas, it has not worked out, but it may just be that we don't have the correct formulation of the melatonin that the receptors for scoliosis need. I would hope that it's going to be a simple pill down the road. I want to thank Dr. Randall Betts, who has been our guest. We have been discussing evaluation and treatment options for scoliosis. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and you have been listening to a special series on children's health on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.